and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar, Hananiah Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. In this story that we are going to briefly be looking at, we are going to be looking at three different areas that I believe we as a Christian are facing today. And before I go any further, I am not saying we are God's chosen people. But I am saying that we can still learn and be in the same life cycle as God's chosen people. The first thing that we want to address is that the world wants to change us. When the Babylonians overtook the Israelites and they brought them back to their nation, the first thing that they did was they sought to educate them. They wanted the Jews to forget everything that they had taught and had been taught. And for those of you who know anything about Jewish tradition, the males, the male students, were required to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The Babylonians knew that they had to remove God from them in order to keep them in slavery. They educated them, they fed them, they clothed them. In other words, other than their physical appearance between Jew and Gentile, there was no difference. The Babylonians not only sought to change their heritage, but they wanted to remind Daniel and his friends who was in control. Daniel's name, it was God is my judge in the Hebrew. The Babylonian name, Belshazzar, Bel, protect him. Nebuchadnezzar wanted Daniel to know God was not in control anymore. That it was him who was in control. The third thing about this is that the Babylonians wanted the Jews to feel completely reliant on them. Oftentimes when oppression and difficulties come, the one way that the oppressors can keep their captives in order is by threats. Threats of death. Threats against their families. It was all about maintaining 
control. If you're on Facebook, if you're on social media, it's clear that we live in a society that is trying to change who you and I are. You don't have to look far. Children are being educated in elementary school about gender identity. Children are being exposed to this earlier than any part of our history because they know that if they can get our children, it'll be easier to change the course of history. Because for you and I, who have a strong faith in the Lord, it's a lot more difficult to get us to move than our children. One thing that broke my heart yesterday is I was on Facebook and I'm part of a group where you're supposed to get inspiration and ideas for student ministry, where you're supposed to say, hey, we did this event, and it worked out really well. This is how we did it. Let me pass it on to you. Instead of celebrating that win, there was a church that was praising that their student pastor, my role, took his youth group to an LGBT parade in support of that lifestyle. That minister saw absolutely nothing wrong. And it wasn't as if he was going there to teach them the gospel it wasn't like he was going there to help them, but he was celebrating along with them the lifestyle that they were choosing to live in. Um, it's evident that there are attacks all around us. And like Daniel, in the midst of all of this, in the midst of changing your name, in the midst of changing your clothes, in the midst of cutting your hair, Daniel said, you know what? I will allow you to do that. But Daniel said enough is enough when the king tried to get him to eat his food. Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, it says this. It says, but Daniel resolved, or Daniel made up his mind, that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him to not defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink. 
For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. What I love about this passage is it identifies how old Daniel was. He was a youth. Now again, biblical definition of age is different than our definition of an age. So Daniel could have been a teenager. Daniel could have been a young man at this point. No matter how old he was, he was younger than a lot of the other individuals around him. Daniel made up his mind to serve God despite being in a foreign land. Now, this could have been because he wanted to maintain his Jewish heritage because the Gentiles, they ate food that was unclean to, according to the Jews. So that could have been one of the reasons why Daniel said, I'm not going to eat it. You're going to defile me. You're going to change my name. You're going to change my appearance. That's fine. But you are not going to change me any further. And he was faithful to God despite his consequences that he may face. And you want to know why we know he was faithful to God? Verse 9, God gave him, God gave Daniel favor because of the stance that this young man was making. Daniel challenged the king's instructions. Daniel didn't do it starting a riot. Daniel didn't do it, you know, on social media blasting, you know, the pastor or the administrative or anything like that. Daniel stood and said, you know what? I'm not going to do this. And he had a good relationship with the eunuch. And I believe that even if he didn't have a relationship with him, <clears throat> he still would have been bold. He still would have made a stand. Daniel asked to be tested against the king's food. Again, could it have been a, a heritage thing to where he didn't want to defile himself internally? Or did he believe that he knew God was in control? I don't know what God is asking you to do in this room. I don't know what tests God is laying before you. But just like Daniel, we have a choice. We can say, God, I will obey you. I will follow you no matter what the outcome is. Or, like the other individuals who are a part of this group, conform. Allow the world to transform them 
And what's funny about this is that the individuals that were in captivity, that were taken back to the king's palace, they were of royal descendants from the Jewish families. They knew about scripture. They knew how God delivered them out of slavery from the Egyptians. They knew how God delivered them across the Red Sea, how he delivered them into the Jor- over the Jordan and to the promised land, how he provided for them in the wilderness. But when things got tough, they sat in their comfort. And they were more concerned about being comfortable than following Christ. So the world wants to change us. And like Daniel in eight, chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, the world is looking at how we respond. When you and I face opposition, when you and I face difficulties in our life, what example are we setting? Are we showing a world that there is an answer to all of our problems? And that person is Jesus. Or, like I told our students on Wednesday night, are we treating our gift, our salvation, this freedom that we have from death and sin as our own little selfish gift? That we are the only ones deserving of God's grace and of God's goodness and of God's salvation. See, I believe that when Daniel stood up and said, King, I'm not eating your food. They didn't have social media back then, but I believe that that word spread quicker than wildfire throughout the encampment saying, what is Daniel doing? Is he nuts? He could be killed for that. Why didn't he just keep his mouth shut, grow old, die at a good old age, and just live life. Daniel stirred the pot. And that's what God has called each and every one of us in this room who say Jesus is our Savior to do. When Will we, as believers, say enough is enough and stand for God? And I'm not trying to upset anyone when I say this, so please, please understand I'm saying this with love out of my heart. That if we truly cared about the lost and dying, there would not be an empty seat in the sanctuary. Daniel 
stood strong. Daniel knew his satisfaction in the Lord. And we find this in verses 11 through 16. It said, Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he, being the eunuch, listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youth who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. That may sound familiar. That's where we get the Daniel fast from. For those of you who have, may have partaken in the Daniel fast, it comes from this set of verses where Daniel said, test me for 10 days where I'm only going to eat this and then see where I am afterwards. If you've ever done that, awesome. I do not have the willpower to do that. Um, but Daniel stood with courage. Daniel told the eunuch, it's on me. You can tell the king, you had no say in it. I refused to eat. I said, give me this food. So you did. And if anything happens to me, it's on me. In other words, Daniel was telling the eunuch, you're free. I am going to accept the responsibility for my actions. And I think in a world that we live in today, we have lost sight of those who are willing to accept responsibility for our actions, both Christians and non-Christians alike. The third thing that we see in this story is that the world will never satisfy us. We read that after the 10 days, Daniel of eating vegetables with his friends, they were better than the other individuals who are with them. Now that could mean that yes, vegetables are good for you. Kids, listen to your parents. Or that could mean that God's hand was actually on Daniel to protect him. I think it's the latter. So to put it in this perspective, I have a little illustration. For those of you who went to summer camp with us, um, this should be familiar. So this trash can, it represents us. It represents the world that we live in. I'll put it there so everybody can see. And this bag. has a bunch of good stuff that we like to eat. Y'all like Sour Patch Kids? I love Sour Patch Kids. When Julie and I go to the movies, we usually get Sour Patch Kids. 
Now, reading this, it says a serving size is 12 pieces. But let's be honest, this is a serving size. <laughs> it has 110 calories per serving size. So if you multiply that by three and a half, it's about 300-ish calories per pack. Not to mention the, the sodium, the, all the bad stuff for you. But we look at this package and we think to ourselves, man, this is good. This is good for us. And what we ought to be doing is saying, you know what, this might be good for us, but God, you got something better. Brendan, this is for you. I love honey buns. Again, I won't tell you the calories on this one. It's more than the whole pack of the uh, Sour Patch Kids. But again, we look at it. We eat these, and we say they're good for us. They give us energy. Before I did this, I asked Pastor Richard, I was like, we're still going to be friends after this, right? Um, if any of you know myself, Pastor Richard, Pastor Andrew, uh, between the three of us, we probably have helped Mountain Dew sales go up by 150% because of how much we drink and how much we, we purchase. On any given day... I should say week, but it's day, that you come into our offices, you will find either a can, a bottle, a six-pack, depending on who it is, of Mountain Dew in our office. As good as this is for you, as uh, Pastor Richard said, the first ingredient is water. Amen. So, you know, um, so it's got to be good for you, right? But it's packaged to look good. It's packaged to grab our eyes. Because on a hot day, when you've been out in the Florida sun, yeah, sure, we should grab a bottle of water because that is the healthier option for us. But we want something that's shiny. We want something that's going to give us energy. And even this... God says, I got something better for you. I have, a, I have a Hershey bar and a Reese bar as well. Um, same thing. These are our go-tos. And despite how much of these we eat, despite the temporary satisfaction that we may get from the peanut butter and the chocolate or just a chocolate bar. We get fat. We get high blood pressure. We have to go to the doctor more often. The threat of diabetes kicks in. And all along, God is saying, I have something better for you.
everything in this world is going to come in a pretty package. It's going to come shiny. It's going to come wrapped in a bow. It's going to look appealing. Because let's be honest, if it wasn't, would we really chase after it? The king laid out the food in front of everybody. Now, I wasn't back there at that time, but I could imagine there was a big pig, probably some turkey, bacon, you know, all the good stuff that, you know, Southern Baptists, we like to eat. And we probably would have been tempted to eat that food. But Daniel and his friends said, I'm not going to do it. Daniel was saying, I will face death. I will face opposition. I will face a life of loneliness. But I will not conform to what you are telling me to do, king. And as you read through the book of Daniel, you will find that his friends were thrown in a fiery furnace. That song, Another in the Fire, is based off of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because we all know the story that as the king is looking into the fiery furnace, he's probably doing this thing. where the fourth person come from? And they were protected. We know that Daniel, later in his life, and Daniel, at the time of the lion's den, he was no longer a young man. Daniel was old. He was in his 70s when he faced the lions. You're never too young, you're never too old to make a stand for God. The truth today is this, that the world will always look appealing, but we will only find true satisfaction when we follow God. The world will always look appealing, but we will only find true satisfaction when we follow God. Again, if sin showed up in our lives exactly the way sin looked, we'd run the other way. There'd be no question about it. But sin shows up packaged, looks nice, looks appealing. And a lot of times we fall into sin 
when we take that first bite. We may not have ever expected that we would be caught up in that sin for as long as we were because it was just one bite. It was just one look. It was just one conversation. It was one social media post. It was one fill in the blank. But I think it's time that we, as believers, we stand and we draw a line and we say, enough is enough. God, I am going to live my life for you. You may call me into the mission field. You may call me to serve at my local church. You may call me like Peter to step out on the water in the middle of the storm. But are we, as believers, going to have faith like Daniel to stand when everyone else is kneeling. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the example that we have in Daniel about how a young man chose to stand for you despite what he may face. And through his faithfulness, but more importantly, your faithfulness, you provided for him and his friends to where they were better off than those who ate of the king's food. God, I know in this room, there are individuals who have indulged themselves long enough on what this world has told them will bring them satisfaction whether that is through relationships, through sports, through jobs, through cars, through whatever it may be, that they are searching for satisfaction. But God, as we sung and as we have read today, there is only one name that can bring us satisfaction. And that's you. And that name is Jesus. God, if there are any individuals in this room who don't have a relationship with you today, I'd love to give them the opportunity to do so. If that's you today, and Jesus is not your savior, let me be the first to tell you that no matter what you are chasing this side of heaven, it will never, never bring you satisfaction. It may give you temporary satisfaction, but it will always leave you wanting more. Jesus is the only one who can offer you that true satisfaction. Jesus is the only one that says, through me can you enter into heaven. And what I love about that is Jesus says, through me, not through how much money you have in your bank account, not through 
what your clothes look like when you come to church on Sunday, not once you get your life right. Jesus says, no, through me, you will have eternal life. The Bible makes it very clear that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is all that bad stuff that we do when we lie, cheat, steal. And the Bible also says that the just punishment for that sin is death. For the wages of sin is death, or the payment of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And the only thing you have to do, again, the Bible makes it very clear that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Period. There's no hidden fees. There's no read between the lines. You will be saved. And if that's you today, during our last song, I'll be down in the front and I would love to talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with you. If you don't want to come up to the front, Michael Giorgini is in the back and I know he would love to have a conversation with you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. But if that's you today and before we go into our last song and you want to give your life to the Lord, let's take care of business now. Repeat after me from your heart to God's heart. And it says, God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I know I've broken your commandments. But God, like Daniel, I am ready to take a stand. I am ready to say enough is enough. And I am asking you to be Lord of my life. I am asking that you come in and create in me a new heart and a new life like your word promises. God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me, but he did not stay dead. And three days later, he rose from the grave, proving that he was fully God, fully man, conquering sin and death once and for all. And I'm asking him to come and live in my life today and create in me a new life. God, as we close our time together with this last song, whatever decisions need to be made, I pray that believers would be bold in their stand, that if they need to say enough is enough and draw that line, that maybe the first step they need to do is come down to these altars and pray for forgiveness before you. God, whatever work needs to be done, I pray that you would be honored and glorified by it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.